Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of the Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. Stephanie, do you have internet friends where you know them, but you've never actually met them in real life? Well, over the last two years, Leah, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have, right? Zoom friends. Yeah, a lot Zoom of Zoom friends. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think uh, it's almost like meeting them in real life for the first time for the first time. Yeah. Even though you know them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, a different kind of um, genre of colleagues yeah. and I'm very excited to for the first time in real life yeah. be speaking to Christian Bacusis, known as Boo and from here with will be known as Boo in this conversation. Keep it simple. He's the MD of Afterburner Australia and is indeed as you'll find out a high energy motivational speaker, successful entrepreneur and a former fighter pilot. Boo believes that leadership is the fundamental piece to the performance puzzle. And now he dedicates his life to helping leaders have the courage to be accountable for their own journey. It takes a fighter pilot mindset. Love it in these Top Gun kind of times. Good Boo. timing, isn't it? 36 years we've waited for this. Yeah. Welcome to Tech Live. Thanks, Steph. Pleasure to be here. Very, uh, very excited. Good. There's lots to talk about. Well, look, the world has changed. I mean, if, no, if we're not talking right now and revisiting what we know as normal. I mean, as we unfold here, I don't believe in there's anything as normal. I don't believe there's anything that, that you call change or transformation. I believe that everything is permanently in a state of flux for 200,000 years it's been this way. But we need for it to feel normal and we need for things to feel constant. So, so a lot of what I talk about is just forget that feeling. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about things not being as you expect them. I call it... Well, I don't call it, but I think evolution is a better word for us now rather than change, transformation, normal. I think we need to be in a controlled state of evolution all the time rather than a chaotic state of change and transformation. Yeah, nice. Transformation is quite the used word right now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole idea of, of transformation management is a nonsense. You can't manage transformation. It is perpetually occurring all the time i was uh, reading i was watching a, a, a youtube uh, video earlier this week. i'm super fascinated by the brain now i mean 100 sorry 1000 trillion synapses a day that's a big number of that's a lot going on up there a little right? firing and then things. poor humans down the end here trying to make sense of all that right so so uh, i was fascinated by that and fascinated i'm starting to get fascinated by the concept of reality and perception uh, and a, uh, i was watching a youtube video a keynote of a neuroscientist whose concept is now that there is no reality, that what we perceive as reality is a controlled hallucination because that's all the brain does. It hallucinates ideas and concepts because nothing we think is real. We think it's real, but the reality is it's in our minds. So his philosophy is if you come at life, which is everything is a hallucination, you know, if you take drugs, it's an uncontrolled hallucination. A dream is an uncontrolled hallucination. But when you're awake and conscious, if you just accept the fact that it reality is fluid, then you can deal with it much better. You you start to uh, abandon some of your biases and you start to look at humanity through a different light. So I think I thought that was a pretty cool way of explaining, you know, how particularly for leaders, you know, can you imagine someone in a board meeting going, look, I'm just going to share with you my controlled hallucination uh, for a Guess moment. Guess what? I'm not going to try it. <laughs> yeah. Look, as we can't, as I try and make sense and bring some order to the chaos of this conversation, 
And while I try and work my head around controlled hallucinations, because I kind of think it's interesting, let's go back to your background. So how does this all fit in with you as a fighter pilot? I think in retrospect, I did not realise this at the time, but uh, the last sort of six or seven years has been a bit of a journey where I left the world of being a business – well, two years ago I left the world of being a business owner. Yep. So for 17 years I'd founded businesses – owned businesses, very, very, one very big one. Mm. Uh, and always I've either identified myself as a fighter pilot or as a business founder. Yeah. And I don't really like the word entrepreneur because too many Everyone uh, is entrepreneurs one. have a – so, Entrepreneurs, yeah. yeah. Whereas I think, you know, being a founder has got a little bit more gravitas to it because mm. that means that it still exists. And the businesses, you know, that I founded all still exist. They weren't some flash in the pan, race of money and, yeah. and, and then they, you know, they go out of business. So for me, I can tell the, the fighter pilot story from two angles. One being a fighter pilot mm. and the other reflecting on Let's have both because it's so, kind of cool. Yeah, so being a fighter pilot was cool. Uh, it was, for me, something that I connected with from the age of five or six. Yeah. I can't remember exactly, but I went to a, an air show. And I remember I was sitting on the grass at this air show and – uh, watching the aeroplanes taxi past and it's a very visceral experience mm. or mm. more so back then because the crowd line was very close. Yeah. You could feel the reverberation as the aeroplanes taxied around. You could see the pilots waving and, and they, they would take off and they would, you know, incredible flying machines, a lot yeah. of noise, low level, very different to today, which is far more controlled. And I think in that moment, seeing all of that happening, the, the sights and sounds, the green suits, the patches, the helmets, like, Everything about it felt like Star Wars or something, and I yeah. think for me, I don't. I don't think I ever thought I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I just felt it. I felt, I felt like I was a fighter pilot in training from the age of six. Mm. Uh, and there's no short answers for when, when you ask me a question because mm. there's, there's a lot of connections here. Uh, what I what I found out a couple of years ago was I'm I have ADHD uh, and potentially a little bit of mild bipolar, and I had that because my son needed to get tested mm. at school because he was having issues with concentration. I never thought about it before. And I went through that journey and and because uh, it's, it's something that's passed down. My dad's a bit all over the shop as well. So I thought, oh, well, I'll, go and, I'll go and get tested, yeah. right? So, so I think from the age of six to the age of uh, 19 when I re- was recruited, yeah. if I didn't have that purposeful drive, if I didn't know I wanted to be a fighter pilot, I don't think I would have – Graduated. I, I think coming out of school would have been a very different person because I really struggled academically yeah. at, at school. Yeah. Uh, athletically, I was okay. You know, I, yeah. I rode in the first eight and was in the first six volleyball and track and fields. So I was I was I was okay at sport and I love sport because ADHD people have that hyper focus and yeah. it was very sports very discreet. You start and you finish and, and you win or, or yeah. you lose, right? So yeah. okay, cool. And, and the rules are clear. Correct. And effort in equals yep. results. Yep. Whereas academics is a bit less like that. Um, but I knew I needed a minimum mark to get in and I repeated year 12 because the first time I didn't quite get there. Yeah. Uh, and the second time I did get there, but not very Yes. You know, I didn't go that much better, right? And I've never I've never ever been a great academically and Interesting, a lot of the fighter pilots that are great fighter pilots, that we all struggled with ground school. We struggled with the academics. Yeah. And the pilots that did well with the academics didn't gradu- didn't go on to become fighter pilots. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's another thing I'm sort of unpacking. Uh, but having that sense of purpose from the age of six and looking back now on purpose and the great resignation and why, what is, every, what is this purpose? That if you Google purpose, it's like 20 
thousand books on Amazon mm. around life purpose, right? Mm. So when you do the research, I just thought it's just not that hard. Like it's purpose is just a feeling. Like it's you, everyone's overthinking purpose yeah. and trying to trying to cognitively think about what is my purpose. And it's yeah. like you'll never think about you'll never think purpose. You'll feel it, right? Yeah. Uh, so so f- from the there and being you know accepted into the air force and 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 being graduating a pilot's course and being accepted as a as a fighter pilot and going through that, I think you know. I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, manages to get into the top tier of stuff. But if it was the first eight rowing, I'd be the eighth or the first six volleyball, <laughs> I'd be the sixth. And I think of the eight fighter pilots that were selected, I was probably the eighth, right? I'm always yeah. just, just just scraping over purely through determination. And I think that's, again, because of ADHD, it's very hard. Mm. You know, you stay focused to the point where you get it and you find the extra is a bit harder. So got through to, to, to being a fighter pilot. And, again, one of the ADHD attributes is, you tend to have a slightly more flexible interpretation of risk. You're, mm. you're far, you're much higher risk taker. Mm. You're, you're less concerned about uh, consequences. Mm. That's not to say you're high risk, uh, but I think again, being lucky to go through the air force and it teaching me this phenomenal risk management system. Yes, it wasn't called that. It was just what you were in your yeah. culture and how we did business. Yeah. The default of that was you were a 98% high performer and incredibly safe at the same time. And, yes, and a lot of businesses come at performance or safety, they don't see the link between the two. The, mm. s- the safer you are, the higher performing you are. It, it, they're completely connected. So when people say I've got a safety culture, what they're also meaning is we have a performance culture, but that gets a bit lost in interpretation. Anyway, so for me it was uh, was 11 years in, in the Air Force. Uh, of those it was – And as a fighter pilot? Yes. Were yep. you fighting anyone? Uh, no, because when I joined it was the late uh, – sort of the mid-90s. Uh, I went to the UK. I was selected to be an exchange pilot and fly. Yeah. And that was the only, at the time, combat tour for Australian pilots. I was like, fantastic. This is me. I get to go and do my combat tour, the yeah. thing I always train for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Murphy's Law, this is something I've certainly learned learned a lot about in life is, you know, expectation and reality tend to, uh, tend to be fickle. Mm. Uh, so when I got there, that – I could no longer go to combat in the UK. The Australians weren't allowed to go to Saudi Arabia, which was where that squadron was based, UK squadron was based. Yeah. And the squadron I just left went to Iraq. Right. So I was mildly bitter at the time. But again, as I'm older now, I kind of feel like I dodged a bullet as well. Well, that's literally, that's yeah. actually. Yeah. And it's or not a missile a, was more a, accurate. Yeah, yeah. Not, a, not a bad thing. <laughs> so, okay, I, I love already your um, insights onto, well, clearly you as a person and that idea of risk and performance that well, kind of continuum but that it's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive I, and I think what, I, again, as I'm learning over time is because of the mental programming I have, like my mind is quite chaotic and, and therefore you realise if you allow yourself to be that way, you are going to create chaos around you. So therefore, and thanks to the Air Force, I have – trained this filter and this way of managing it Mm. and i think for me from a leadership role especially is an ability to see all the interconnecting parts all the time like it's a the like you know i like the matrix the movie the matrix where it just looks like a bunch of numbers yeah but what i really love about getting my my teeth into leaders and and i I never work with leaders by them to date haven't worked with leaders by them i always work with their team yes because the best way to 
develop a leader is to allow their team to develop them, but to equip them to have those conversations. So when you see a leader, they're constantly pulling one lever without really having the awareness of the next lever that that the next issue Mm. they've created. So it's a real, this this whole spinning plates analogy, Uh, whereas great leaders, if there's seven plates, they know which order to spin, what it looks Mm. like when I need to get there rather Mm. than chaotically running around. I mean, there's so many metaphors for for leadership and chaos, right? Putting your fingers in the leaky dike, whatever you want to say. So for, for me, I think one of the one of the things that being a fighter pilot taught me is how to create clarity from chaos. And, and it's one of the topics I talk about in my keynote, which is accept chaos uh, as part of life. In fact, if you, you know, the theory of entropy is life always tends toward chaos. Yeah. You only have to watch those those movies where the, the zombie apocalypse comes and the city's turned back into the forest, right? Like yeah. if we didn't have cleaners and we weren't constantly working at keeping a city clean, it would just revert back to what it was. So it's that, and and again, when it comes so when it comes to chaos, there's only two things you can do as a leader, in terms of invest uh, invest control that that sense of so so if you think of chaos as everything being out of control, and right yeah. now in the world it's very chaotic. Yeah, the only thing a leader can control is themselves, right? And that's what I wanted to get to, because as a leader, it can be. I love your analogy of the matrix. It can be like that in your head. Yeah. Because you spent the weekend thinking, oh, this is, uh, but uh, where do I start? What about this bit? And then I've got to do that bit there. And how am I going to do it? And who's going to do that? How important is it for a leader to, which is the traditional approach, shield the team from all that chaos that's going on in your head? You can't. This is the whole leadership model's broken. The way we train leaders, the way we put them through MBAs, the hierarchical model. Uh, technologies just come with a sledgehammer. It's like hitting a piece of peanut brittle. The, this whole t- team uh, top-down leadership model yeah. doesn't work. Now, technology's embraced it, so technology companies are better. Like, techno- yeah, you, you need both. You need a little bit of very loose hierarchy. Yeah, but you mostly need dynamic teams and and yeah. domain expertise coming together in a team to deliver a very specific outcome. Yeah, uh, and one of the areas I, I teach leaders is. If you're thinking tasks, you're not leading. You have to be thinking outcomes. Yep. Or what is the point? If you can answer that question. So, yep. so I, I believe leaders. Well, if you look at if you look at uh, neuroscience, you look at where brain research is, and then you put a little bit of mindfulness and meditation. If you look at the human brain, it kind of works at three levels, and it can't do all three at once. It, yep. It feels, it thinks, and it does. Yep. Uh, and what you learn as a fighter pilot, because your life depends on it, is. You can't let your feelings get in the way when you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but they do sometimes. Sometimes yep. you get scared. Sometimes you're confused. Sometimes you're you're not sure what's going on. So we have to we have to be equipped to put the feelings back in the feeling box and go back into the doing box. Uh, what gets lost a lot and is, more so today is, is the, the thinking. thinking. Mm. I I've been running programs for seven years where I get executive leaders, CEOs of of ASX two hundred companies, all the way down to. SMEs, uh, small, medium, and, and large cap. And in the last seven years, and I mean this respectfully, but there's no better word for it, I've watched them all get dumber. Mm. L- watch them lose the ability to think. The mm. passivity in the exercises and the waiting to be directed. And if you mm. – so I do, I, I, I'm, mm. uh, again, ADHD passionate Googler. So, so I mm. Google everything, find multiple sources, find some case studies, and there's some really fascinating research now around – the fact that we don't have to remember anything anymore because it's yep. all available on the yep. smartphone yep. means the part of our brain that's designed to think, there's lots of parts, so I'm deliberately oversimplifying this, 
But if you look at all the pieces of the brain that contribute to thinking and problem solving mm. and the bits of the brain that are designed to be distracted and just uh, react, mm. the, the amount of neural activity mm. and the, uh, is growing in the distraction, mm. non-thinking bit and it's the shrinking. problem solving. Yeah. And memory. Correct. Long-term memory and is a real – you know, now when – well, my husband and I do this thing where we say, oh, who was it who was in, you know, who played MacGyver? And we'll both go to the phones and go, don't – don't just leave it and the next day bang it comes up <laughs> and it isn't MacGyver I don't know why I even said that but it's really good to train your brain that way isn't it oh it, it is and I think if you're and this is again, well retrain your brain because it's all we had to rely on yeah and it's amazing how we sorry it's not easy to do it requires effort but it but it is easy to do you don't need to take medicines or or have some crazy like 86 billion neurons that are plastic and you and yeah. i didn't know that but the, the 86 million neurons we're born with we have the same amount when we when we when we die like there's this there's this concept that as we learn more that we get more cells in our brain but we don't no. we just use them more effectively so That's when you start right. when you start to unpacking some of the the knowns about the brain there's a lot of unknowns uh, what you start to see is Leaders come from the do lane, so mm. so most organisation. Mm. And look, I came from an organisation that invested in leadership, right? Yeah. So so, as a as a fighter pilot at the age of nineteen, you do officer training. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you start the journey with leadership training, not domain excellence. You start the journey with leadership mm. at the age of nineteen. No mm. business does that. Mm. No business recruits you, puts you through a leadership training, and then puts you on the trading floor or mm. puts you on the teller. It just doesn't happen. So mm. so that alone is a big differentiator. And, and people, I think, are quite threatened by ex-military people. I certainly see that as a veteran advocate. Mm. I think there's a degree of you guys are too intense. And it's like, well, if you want to get things done, you've got to be focused and you've got to plan and you've got to do this stuff. Like, I, Whereas in, in business it seems to be, well, how can we create environments which doesn't feel like work? And it's like, well, you can't, you can't do work sometimes, you know. Okay, so let's – there's a couple of things I want to pick up on. I definitely want to get to that, the great reshuffle of people now, this idea that it's it's got to be fun mm. and appeal and work for everyone all the mm. time and really appeal to them. But first let's get back to this thing about thinking and leaders as a way of effectively harnessing what's going on in your brain. Yep. Because you're a leader so in theory you've got good – cognitive capacity to make connections and see the big picture. So part of that has to be, am I hearing then, allowing time to think and to exercise that part of your brain which is drawing connections, problem solving. Yeah, but yes, but at the same time with context because there is thinking that's uh, in that's low value thinking and that's like worrying and stress and, yeah. and thinking about unknowns yeah that there's a lot of time invested in that yeah and even someone that practices this i certainly found myself doing that during uh, covid because i went from being a business owner and you know, mm. again adhd after 17 years you get a bit bored of running businesses and and moved into this and i was like oh my gosh maybe i should be in businesses because now there's all these business opportunities but i committed to speaking and, and getting into a space to try and unpack you know leadership and i feel what i'm doing now is going to change the world more than running owning another business right yeah and i found myself in that state i was just thinking about the wrong things uh, and and through that I, was, I would just ask myself why why am i worried about stuff i can't control because i know 
that's not the things to think about. Mm. And over time, I, I came up with this idea about the feelings bucket, the thought bucket, and the do bucket, right? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, leaders come from the do. So we're normally a domain ex- expert, okay? We're an accountant uh, and we become a CFO, and from a CFO we might become a CEO. And mm-hmm. very different, very different problems to solve. Uh, we might have been in sales and then from, from sales we go into being a sales manager. We might have been in production and on the factory, working on the production line. Mm-hmm. And, then now and that is that is a dramatic change in mindset mm. because when we do, we have built a muscle, right? We, we, we have, yep. It's like saying you've been a cyclist for 20 years, uh, you're, you're phenomenal at doing things, we know you're a highly capable person, but now we're going to put you into the, the uh, Olympics as a swimmer. Yeah. And it's like what? So what happens? They lose confidence. Yes. Uh, leaders start to micromanage because they're trying to work out the details underneath because they feel like, well, I don't know. The best thing you can do as a leader is just admit that you don't know anything. That's yeah. the best decision you'll ever make in your life because then you'll ask the right questions to the right people. Yeah. You'll build bonds, better feelings, etc. Anyway, so what happens is we go from – we remove the doing from the leader. So yeah. that, that brain bucket's not being used anymore yep. into an undeveloped thinking model because mm. it's a – it's a, a muscle memory thinking that mm-hmm. we're used to. We're used to thinking about problems in a very specific way. And we've created a bigger feelings bucket, more feelings of stress, more feelings of discomfort, right? I, I have uh, this this concept, which is called the do loop. And, and basically what it means is you, you have to constantly feed back into the feelings and, th- and thinking bucket, which means you have to allow yourself to make mistakes. You have to allow yourself to have conversations that rapidly – bring the feeling bucket under control and fill the thinking bucket up with the right things. And as a leader, there's only one way you do that. And that is constantly sit with the people in the room that you need to get the job done and don't ask them what they've been doing. Ask them what you need to do. Ask, ask them what the future looks like. Always focus forward. Mm. How we do things and, and, and how we process things, that's a given. That's just what we do. And you'll always improve that. So that's, mm. that's actually easy leadership is, picking all the problems that's mm. not hard you know because we're humans we make problems and so it's not hard to solve them as a leader what you've got to do is innovate you've got to constantly evolve the way that we're doing business mm-hmm. and the way we do that is we say well what are the intentions from the business humans are very intentional beings mm-hmm. we intend to be fitter we intend to be healthier we yep. intend to be smarter uh, but the action bucket's pretty low in fact only eight percent of our intentions turn into action mm. right? which is pretty poor uh, but we don't notice it because that's what we're used to. But if mm. you look at it, the empirical data is five to eight percent of ideas get done. Mm. So, so where does the rest go? Well, it goes into all this noise, right? It goes into these three mashed up buckets of feelings, thoughts, and the wrong actions and chaos, and no, split them out. So, if we consider what our intentions are, our business might be a drinking glass import business. And if we sit there and say, hey, we're just going to keep importing these glasses better, like that's half the problem because in the future we might find that people don't want glass anymore. Ceramic drinking is all the rage or whatever it is. So the intention goes from being a drinking uh, glass company to conveying water to humans company. It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. And there's completely different ways to do that. From there – that's when we get people together. We say, well, here's our intention. So there's four steps, our intentions, our results, our reasons for those results and, and our actions. And this this is a loop. And when we keep doing this, our intentions always get met and our actions always get better and our feelings are always managed. So we say, here's our intention, here's what's going on. And the good thing about intentions to, to, re, to results 
is because 92% of us don't achieve anything, there's plenty of gold there. The results are always underneath, right? Yeah. People go, what about positive results? Well, that's a great day. Go to the bar. Uh, yeah. But mostly they're not. Yeah. So, so, so the problem is we, we invest in that. We invest in the negativity. And mm. therefore, we start to avoid it. And then when we avoid the negativity, then all of a sudden things start happening in our business that are surprises. And yeah. then when we start having surprises, then all of a sudden your life as a leader becomes very unhappy, very yeah. stressed. Never in history have we seen higher resignation rates and suicide rates in leadership than we are seeing now. Mm. Uh, and it's because it's just impossible to meet the expectations as a leader. Mm. So so intentions are so intentions are always more than we can do, yep. we can achieve. The results are what they are. They are what they are and that's a fact. Yeah. Yep. So so intentions are tomorrow. So it's making sure you're clear on what your results are across the business. Yeah, which we do well. No surprises. Which most of us do that pr- yep. pretty well. And technology helps tremendously. 90% of the world's data was created in the last 2 years. Yep. So we're we're pretty good mm, at capturing nice that stat. data. Okay. Um, and then what's the next one? So then there's a reason why, you know? So you got a yeah. good old Simon Sinek. He talks about Start mm. with why. I say start with why, but you've got to end with why as well. Mm. Uh, there's no point, you know, wanting to be the Wright brothers and building an airplane if you don't know why the propellers don't work. Yeah. So I believe leaders think their job is to sit there and wallow around in the reasons why their team doesn't get the job done. And they're very good at that. So we put bean bags in the office and we put free yogurt and we have all of these wonderful things in the office to help people live with the negativity that is the byproduct of unmet expectation. So for here, what I say to organisations is you just want one thing, one reason. You don't, there might be 20. It doesn't matter. But just take one. And with that one reason, you want to create action. You want to create one action, which would be the glass keeps breaking, is the, is the reason why people stop buying them. Uh, the result is the broken glass. The reason is, is, is because last year we decided to cut costs and we put one millimetre less glass in there because that would give us 10% more profit. Oh, by the way, if you use numbers to manage a business, you're seven times more likely to fail. Uh, so here we go. If, if we, we have this action, which is put one mil back in the glass. Mm-hmm. Right? So we go back into the glass. The intention is to be, is to be the biggest conveyor of conveyor water. Of water in, yep. And all of a sudden we've created a conveyance device, a vessel that, that puts water from somewhere into someone's body and boom, we have a leap. We have this leap forward. Now, when that leap forward happens, something else happens inside of us, which is pretty pretty incredible. We have this uh, dose of chemicals and, and mm. here's one of those unique, uh, you know a mnemonic works when it works, right? Uh, because a dose of chemicals stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins, <laughs> right? four key nice. neurochemicals and hormones. And and these uh, hormones, this, sorry, this neurochemical reaction in our body is the same thing you see in sport when mm. all of a sudden everything seems to go better. Mm. All of a sudden for no – they call it momentum, you know, mm. the sway of momentum. Uh, in businesses we live with mostly neutral inertia, mm. nothing good, nothing bad. Right? Mm. Nothing's as good or as bad as it seems. And we wait for a red light to go off and then we react to it. So through this do loop, what, what, what we end up doing is by creating the action – we hack our brains and we release mm. these chemicals. And when that happens, we don't, it's not to the same extent a sports person gets it where they get this rush of endorphins yeah. and, and away they go. It's a bit milder than that, but it still gives you 50% more brain power and, and energy for an hour or two. Uh, and it means that if you do this at the end of the day, what was my intention today? What actually happened? Why did that happen? What am I going to do tomorrow? You get this free carry of energy. Yeah. And if you look at successful people, they have a lot of energy. Yeah. Right. And a lot of successful people, if you if you look at the All Blacks and when I was sort of tr- 
when I, when I sort of thought about this and I started to find proof of it, feeding on my biases, uh, not the best way to research it, but there's enough out there that shows, if you look at the Tom Brady's, the Oprah Winfrey's, the Serena Williams, the, the greatest, they kind of do it naturally. Mm. It's kind of what they do. They're always, they have that inquisitive mind that, mm. that what next and what can I do? What can I do? Uh, rather than what's wrong, what's wrong. Uh, and, and so that, if we just continue to do that loop, daily in our own lives, weekly with our teams, monthly at an organisational level, we're constantly evolving based on what's happening today. So we can control that conversation. Everything we're talking about there is real. Our real controlled hallucination of the future, uh, our real result, a real reason because we did it so we can we can see it. And if mm. we do it every day, it's going to be an honest reflection, not in a month's time where it's going to be a made-up reflection. And the action is real. And all this and that, so intentions tomorrow, result today, reason yesterday, action projects us into tomorrow. And I've never seen a conversation in any business that brings those three phases of time together with a leader and their team. It's like the most sensible conversation you're ever going to have. It really is. And the part that's missing is the reasons why. Yeah. There's a lot of intention you know, whether it's well articulated or not, everyone has some sort of intention. Absolutely. And they're well intentioned. Of Most course, people. No one goes into business to be bad. No, exactly right. Well, baddies do. But <laughs> And then there's the, the results are, are, are the results. I think it's the reasons because what I know I do, my intention, maybe whatever it is, the results are there. And then it's, this has happened straight to action. It's the reason is the bit that's missing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So it's, a, it's a dartboard and, and I'm amazed So because I, I do a lot of team strategy days Yeah. And, and when we go in there and we start a team strategy day, it's like a blank sheet of paper and yeah. it's like, hang on a minute, well, why are we blank sheeting this? Like, yeah. We've, we've got all this stuff already. We've got it. We, we know what's going. We want to tweak what we – if you consistently tweak all the time rather than constantly come up with new stuff, every, every new idea is a significant effort. And that's why yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm anti the innovation and ideas space. The fact that yeah. big businesses go and set up an innovation and ideas center, you may as well say, here's all the, we're going to create a whole bunch of work that's not going to deliver anything. Because that's statistically, that's what happens. Clayton Christensen, Harvard yeah. professor, this whole space is, is around yeah. product launches. Jobs to be yeah. done. Yeah. And it's consistently sub two digit success rates. So, on all of this investment. Uh, which is interesting and that's kind of a, another whole podcast. Yeah. But I think back to this one because there's some really interesting lessons on leadership here. The thinking part, as you say, is differentiated from getting stressed and down. So thinking, It's actually uh, about the res, the reasons why. That's yeah. where your thinking needs to be and with thi- your team. I, I, yeah, and, I, and, and I, I didn't answer your question right early on, which was what is the thinking? Is it making mm. time... Everything to do with thinking is context, mm. and when you're when you're trying to figure out ten things at once, there is no context. You need the granular focus, the granular outcome, and that's why less is more. That's why strategy doesn't belong in the boardroom; it belongs to everyone. Everyone needs one focus. I want to be a fighter pilot. That's all I want to be. And when you have that focus, all of the detail and all of the thinking is correct. It all comes back to that one thing. If you're doing 10 things, your poor old brain is spread. You, you are creating chaos and, th- and that filters down. So, yeah. so you, might be, you might be the most well-intentioned leader. Yeah. And I've seen this in, in yeah. some of the biggest companies in Australia and they just filter down chaos. It's like, it's like mm. rather than filtering and, sim- filtering and simplifying, 
it filters and actually creates more chaos at every level. Mm. And you end up just with a, a passive workforce. So that thing about, and I get what you're saying and I can picture it, but what you're saying about what's the what's the thing, that single focus. So if my single focus is customer retention, then what I do is towards that, well, that's the intention, Absolutely. customer retention. But but what do we do? Too often we go, well, if, if you had just done this, I'd be able yeah. to retain them. And it, well, yeah. the product was... That's not that's not your problem. You've got to you've got to despite everything that goes on around you, your job is to retain the customer. Yeah. Now, if that means that it's a product related issue, then you need to set up a little team exploration yeah. session there. Because that'll come out in the reasons why. Yeah. And that's where the work in business that that's that is, that's all work. Mm. Just like you're working now getting frustrated. Mm. But that work delivers transformational outcomes. And and I coach one business, one team of five leaders. And within one year grew 700%. 10 years of 10 to 15% growth. So by any measure, a successful company anyway. And then it just exploded. And it, what was it that made the difference? This this thought loop. That was the difference. Every day, what was our intention for today? What actually happened? Why did it happen? Tomorrow, what are we going to do? Mm. And every metric within their business, every, whether it was their social media, ch- their Instagram and Facebook channels exploded. They didn't even have to go into the new stuff, no TikTok, nothing just their traditional marketing methods because they were done without the context, without the why, what's the point. It was just ad hoc. It was just stuff. Yeah. But yeah, all, find two people in your community, leverage off them. Then it becomes four. Then it becomes – and all of a sudden you've got this entire community of advocates for your brand. You're rewarding them for their social – we just had to find these leverage points. Mm. But they were never found because the time wasn't invested – around what what is the point the point is to grow the brand the point isn't to get more instagram followers no that's one of the points but we've got to find that overarching point and and what happens is five people end up three times more you're actually ending up uh, and this there's a study done uh the group for organizational effectiveness in new york and they studied 40 examples of this style of thinking and on average at least 20 to 30 percent increase in performance but the people that truly embraced it, about 300% improvement. So that's that's 15 people worth of output of salaries yeah. for only five people. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty- it, it is amazing. So when you say, I love it, just going back over that loop, what's the intention, what were the results, what was the reason, what am I going to do at the end of the day? Is that everyone in the business doing that? Every single human. That's your life. That's how you should be approaching your f- life as a mother, as a father, uh, going out for the shopping Everything you do, you always – Simon Sinek's he's nailed it. He's, you start with why, like what is the point of what I'm yeah. about to do? But that's great, but how do you figure out what why is? And that's the loop. The loop comes back and gives you the contextualized why. So when we when we are doing things, it's the right things. Because why is a big question, mm. like why. Like mm. I mean mm. you, you can sit on a mountain for like three mm. months and not answer that question. Mm. Uh, but why do I need to build a better glass? That's – tangible and that's discreet uh, and most people in fact I've, no one thinks this way i've yet to ever walk into a business and ever observe this but when i leave a business with people thinking this way as a team mm. never never prioritized like this before we've never had such clarity we've never got so much done can't believe how easy that was just because they're and when everyone is saying what's the point what's happening Imagine 30 people having mm. that conversation every day and once a week having that together. Just how clear the information is coming every week. How much clarity those team members have when they come into the room. It's 
and there's always a few that struggle, like mm. yeah, usual sort of thing, maybe half get it quickly, 25% mm. slowly get there and 25% think it's the dumbest thing they've ever heard of uh, and that's fine. Uh, but you only need half. I, I worked in an organisation that had 220,000 employees, right, and I worked with – I started with seven leaders, mm. seven leaders in this process. Uh, and within a year, we were up to 220 leaders. Uh, and from there, uh, I just found out the other day, I left there three years ago. Now, the entire organization, it's been embedded. It's been put into a special management tool mm. that the company uses. And there's 3,500 stores, 220,000 people now thinking this way. And they are one of the top six companies in this country. Okay. That was really, really good. I think it was. it started off incredibly conceptually with this, what do we call them, structured hallucinations? Controlled hallucinations. Controlled hallucinations. So we start off there and I was – That's where life starts. That, it, that's where, it is where it is all starts. That is the start of all of our journeys. And I will admit, Boo, my head was going, okay, okay, how am I going to go get this going? I love this conversation and I say it on Tech Live podcasts that I think are really worthwhile. Go back and listen to it again. Dear listener, once you listen to this – go back and listen to it again because there's some really thought-provoking stuff there on leadership, on execution, on performance, on managing the world we live in. And personally, I found that a really good discussion. And Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Discover more about tech at tech.com.au. 